Remember the good old days when Republican politicians beholden to the energy lobby simply bloviated nonsense about climate change? Like Senator James Inhofe of who once tossed a snowball on the floor of the Senate to prove that the atmosphere isn't warming. I asked the chair, you know what this is? It's a snowball from outside here. So it's very, very cold out. So here, Mr. President, catch this. Mm -hmm. And who gets his climate data from the Bible. My favorite is Genesis 8.22, which is, as long as the earth remains, there will be springtime and harvest, uh, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night. You know, God's still up there. God help us. That from the chairman of the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee. Back in the day, that stuff was reliable red meat to the base. But now, at last, the base is gradually coming to its senses. And 52% of Republican respondents agreed that a climate deal would be a good idea. Among those to climb aboard the sky-is-falling bandwagon, Pope Francis, who warned this week, quote, our house is going to ruin, and declared a moral duty to act. Si sta rovinando. And that dude has a pretty sizable base himself. So suddenly, entering an election year, explicit climate deniers are an embarrassment and political liability. And so fellow Republicans have given Senator Snowball the Senecide treatment, launching him adrift on an ice floe while the rest of the party takes up a less confrontational but possibly more insidious climate rhetoric strategy. And by that I mean the non-denial denial. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says... I'm not a scientist. He's just trying to protect the coal industry and Kentucky jobs from the war on coal. Speaker of the House John Boehner says... I'm not, gonna, I'm not qualified to debate the science over climate change. Still, he blocks cap-and-trade or any other environmental protection legislation that comes his way. Florida Governor Rick Scott also says, quote, I'm not a scientist... But while rising tides threaten Florida's tourism economy, his administration forbids the use of the term climate change in any state publication or correspondence. And then there's Scott's gubernatorial predecessor, Jeb Bush. And I've decided I'm a candidate for president of the United States of America. A candidate, yes, he says, but a scientist, no, 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 no. That's for the eggheads. But... Why do they have to get all pushy about it? Jeb Bush. I don't think the science is clear of what percentage is man-made and which, what percentage is natural. I just don't. It's convoluted. And for the people to say the science is decided on this is just really arrogant, to be honest with you. It's this intellectual arrogance that now you can't have a conversation about it even. Good folks talk about things. They sit at the diner over coffee, maybe after church or after clearing brush, and they chew it over and come to an understanding. But these arrogant tree-huggers don't even want to listen. Why do we have to have a debate where people that may have some doubts about this are considered Neanderthals? That's the arrogance. And thus, can a candidate have it both ways? Distance himself from extremist climate deniers while simultaneously characterizing the rational evaluation of scientific evidence as elitist condescension pink meat to the base, and no big risk of alienating the Koch brothers. There is, of course, a long bipartisan history of populist rhetoric pandering to the common sense of the unsophisticated, salt-of-the-earth, ordinary American 
who doesn't put on airs. Here was Bill Clinton. Every one of us knows someone who's worked hard and played by the rules and still been hurt by this system. John McCain. Only because Joe the plumber asked him the right question right here in Ohio. And some just folks talking about President Obama. I serve the president a Miller Lite. The president also let someone buy him a Bud Light. Offered to arm wrestle the president to gain his vote, and the president said, hey, you know, let's play some basketball instead. So, yeah, it was fun. We will never have the elite, smart people on our side. That last voice was Rick Santorum, who's also running for president and also an avowed know-nothing. Here's the former Republican senator from Pennsylvania explaining to Fox's Chris Wallace why fellow non-scientist Pope Francis should pipe down about climate change on account of it's none of his beeswax. I'm just saying, what should the Pope use his moral authority for? And I, I would make well, the argument... Well, he would say he's protecting the earth. I, I would say that that's an important thing to do, but uh, I think there are more pressing problems confronting, uh, confronting uh, the earth uh, than climate change. Really? Like what? The flat tax? But such is the nature of debate when the salvation of the planet becomes just another battle in the culture wars and campaign donations are on the line. The conversation that Jeb Bush and his fellow candidates want to have is reduced to them against us, which isn't a conversation, it's an incitement. Of course, truth be told, there is no conversation to be had about climate science, any more than you can have a conversation about smoking and cancer, although that is precisely the line Big Tobacco peddled for decades about what it called the smoking controversy. So... Yes, Governor Bush, you are correct. The truth is arrogant. It has no patience for demagoguery or misdirection or lies. You don't have to be a scientist to get that, just an honest broker, unwilling to cash checks from polluters, while day by day, decade by decade, our world, what Pope Francis calls our house, is burnt by the sun. And when we say we're only saying you're doing fine, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, okay. That's it for this week's show. On the Media is produced by Kimmy Regler, Mira Sharma, Alana Casanova-Burgess, Jesse Brenneman, Kasia Mihailovich, and Sam Dingman. We had more help from Jenna Cagle and Maya Brownstein. And our show was edited by Brooke. Our technical director is Jennifer Munson. Our engineer this week was Greg Rippin. Katja Rogers is our executive producer. Jim Schachter is WNYC's vice president for news. Bassist composer Ben Allison wrote our theme. On the Media is produced by WNYC and distributed by NPR. I'm Brooke Gladstone. And I'm Bob Garfield. Support for On the Media comes from the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. The Ford Foundation, the Jane Marcher Foundation, the Overbrook Foundation, and the listeners of WNYC Radio. Since WNYC's first broadcast in 1924, we've been dedicated to creating the kind of content we know the world needs. Since then, New York Public Radio's rigorous journalism has gone on to win a Peabody Award and a DuPont Columbia Award, among others. In addition to this award-winning reporting, your sponsorship also supports inspiring storytelling and extraordinary music that is free and accessible to all. 
To get in touch and find out more, visit sponsorship.wnyc.org.